I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta primavera, feeding caca be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. Episode 206 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. My man, Slain, Boston. What's up, my man? What's going on? Ah, you know, we were just shooting the shit a little bit. Not the men, you know. Like I said, just got home from work, chilling. Same old shit, nothing too exciting. Doing this. But before we even get it deep into it, I always say it. I don't blow smoke up nobody's ass, nobody. But the newest record has been on constant rotation. And it sounds a little bit crazy to say, but I don't think you would think it sounds crazy to say it. But maybe people like, oh, he's really going to say that, bro. The things we can't forgive as a whole, it's it's like, it's like a, a beautiful fucking piece of music, dude. Like, yeah. it's yeah, I'm kind of sh- I'm shocked at the at the um, you know I n- I never think how something's gonna be received while I'm recording it. I try not to because that's a you know you don't want to be thinking about stuff like that while you're making a record. I just try to be in the moment. Right. Really, I didn't even start off making this as a record. It was just you know music is a coping mechanism for me. So I just make music and then sort it out. Like a lot of times I'm making two or three records at a time for different projects. And then, you know, as time goes by, you, you put stuff together and you go, Oh, all right, this kind of works with this. And this kind of works with that. Yeah. And and then, um, but I'll tell you what, like, this is such a different record for me. I, I didn't, you know, after it was all pressed up and everything, I was like, Oh, I don't know if people are gonna, Fuck with this, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, uh, because of course you're your own biggest critic, and everybody knows that that's how it goes, you know. But I mean, listen, I've been following you since, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I first started getting into you with with um, a world with no skies, and then I kind of went back and you know into the first couple mixtapes and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely. But I almost feel like in a weird way that one day is kind it's I think you've changed bro like like and, and it's and it's it's all I, I don't even have else to put it bro oh it's I love listen I'll be the first to say I love all the ignorant shit I love all the ignorant hip-hop I love all that shit but something like a bunch of tracks on one day and this new record this new record is relatable like to so many people on so many different levels. So that's why I think it hits from a different angle. And that's why people fuck with it because they, they relate to so much of it. I can relate to a lot of it because yeah, I even tell them. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, so I, it's, you know, the, the night before it came out, I was like, Oh boy. Like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
Huh? I just had, I, I think I had a dream that like people were hitting me for their money back and stuff like that. You know, did like, you really? That's hilarious. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like right before it's about to come out. Then all of a sudden I get this rush of thoughts like, you know, yeah, you're what, second what guessing yourself. What did I do? No, nah, yeah, man. Really, you know, it's really it's different for me, man. It's like it's 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 a record about love and and heartbreak and trauma and yeah and, that. and that's like you know it's like you said it's a lot different than what i was doing 10 years ago 15 years ago when you stick around in music for as long as i have like you're gonna change as a human being you have and to. the worst thing i feel like you can do is try to recreate who people think you are from 15 years ago and try to you know it's people just, sniff that out real quick and people see right through that and you, you know, you got to grow and change as a person and your music should reflect that. And, um, and I think this does. So I think that's why, you know, it's been overwhelming, man. Like every, I'm just getting messages all day. People saying, this is your best record. This is, it's, which, it's dope. It's, you know, it's, it's dope. And, and, and I had to sit for a minute and it sounds corny because you just said that, but it's, it sounds ridiculous, but like gun to my head right now, I would have to say this is your greatest record. And that's not putting down anything else that you've done by any means. It's just, like I said, it's, it's super relatable and all the topics that you bring up, it's, it, it hits on a different level. And it's, it's, you know why? Because this is just coming from me in my opinion. I'm just, I'm just an idiot who talks to people sometimes on the computer. You know what I mean? But you know, like I said, I love all the ignorant, not just your ignorant stuff, you know, quote unquote, you know, but everybody's shit. And, you know, how many times are you going to listen to somebody talking about how they're busting their guns when you really know that they're really not, you know what I mean? And this and that. But then when you come with some like, like some heartfelt, real life shit that Nobody really talks about on that level, especially in hip hop, without it being this like R&B stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it, that, I, that, that's my opinion. That's maybe why. Plus, you have a following anyway. So people are automatically going to fuck with it. So if it hits on that different level, I think that's why people love it. That's why I love it. Yeah, I think. um I think you just always got to write the truth the way you're at, which I was doing 15 years ago too. You know, I was just yeah. in a place. So it's, it's, you know, I, I think like anything you do for a long period of time that you put a lot of energy and passion into it, you're going to master that. So you shouldn't get worse at what you do over the course of time. You should get better. I try, to make, I try to make every record better, but I think where people go wrong with that is when they try to, like I said, try to be what they used to be or try to hit the, the themes that were successful for them in the past. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not interested in making the same record over and over again. You know what no. I mean? No. Why do it if you're going to do that? Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but, but the great Vinny Stigma once said, he was like, you know, people always say, yeah, but the new record doesn't sound like one voice, doesn't sound like victim and pain. He's like, yo, if you want one voice or victim and pain, Go fucking listen to One Voice of Victim of Pain. I'm not yeah. going to make a new record in 2020 or whatever that sounds like that. We do different shit. You want that? Go listen to that. That's why it's there. You know, it's true. It's like you can't, you can't, you can't recreate something that was done 15 years ago or whatever it might have been. 
different mindset, bro. You age, everyone gets older. Yeah. Hopefully, some people get more mature. Some people do, some people don't. You apparently have, which is a beautiful. Yeah, well, thing. definitely, I've, I've changed a lot, man. My whole perspective on life has changed. My values. I think you know, it's another kind of low key goal that I had because I, I remember when I when I first got sober and people were like, ah, oh, everybody falls off when they get sober. Of course. And I had to actually be willing to give up music in order to get sober because it was such a it was such a block for me, man. Like I was so used to, you know, it was part of my process. So sure. when I'm going in the studio sober, I mean, I would go on benders in the studio and it was what I got a lot of creative drive for. And just that magic, that feeling, just like being uh, invincible and indestructible. And, uh, and I rode that and I loved it. Of course. Of, to write from like, a, you know, I, it forced me to be more humble, right? Because it's like, you know, I've I've crashed everything, burned everything to the ground. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm left here at rock bottom with nothing and I have to rebuild my whole life from nothing, yeah. including like what I love to do the most. And, you know, if it, there were times when I felt like I, I can't do this anymore. I'm never going to regain my form. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to find the proper passion that I need for this again. Like I wasn't having as good a time with it. Right. And, um, but I had this, but, you know, I went through all the phases of that. And it took me years to really find that same um, enthusiasm for it, you know. Like, it, it was like walking through cement, like wet cement that was, <sighs> you know, for the, for the beginning. And, uh, and then I just found a burst. And, and, man, like, that's part of what drives me, too, is I want, I want the second half of my career to be better than the first music wise you know what i mean we have no control of like how many people are listening or you know i don't really care about fame or blowing up or any of that shit that like when you're a, a young aspiring artist you want to make your mark you want to uh -huh. you know get the accolades and all that and i you know that shit doesn't interest me right anymore you know what i mean now it's more like i love to do this and it's cool i got a following and everything but i really just got to do it from my heart but i want you know, this is like a legacy that I get to leave behind, a piece of who I am, who yeah, I right. was. These are all time capsules, these records. So oh, I want this part of my career to be more reflective. Like, I feel like I've changed into a better man, and I want that to be reflected in these records. I think I think you hit the nail on the head, with, especially in these last couple of records. If that's, you know what I'm saying? If that's like your whole goal, and it is a time capsule. Because you go back, you know, the certain things you were saying, it's just like, it's, I don't think it's crazy because it's hip hop and it, it's, it's, I get it. But from there to now, it's just like, it's like a different person. And it's awesome. Absolutely. And it's uh, some of it, I'll cringe at it. You know what I mean? Of course. I'm, I'm sure. Some of the old records. And you got to remember, I'm writing these rhymes high as a kite in 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, just letting anything that comes to my mind fly. So, you know, you fast forward 15 years and you listen back and you're like, oh, oh, God, you, know, you, oh, you get you get embarrassed for yourself a little bit. You know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I'm pr I'm proud of my early work. Don't get me wrong. But there are oh. moments there are moments in it 
where I'm like, ah, oh, that was lazy writing or I'm slurring. I'm so wasted right there. What was I thinking? How could yeah. I put this out? You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, it's a time capsule. And some people stand by. Some people will never come off of that's when you were your best. You know what I'm saying? Like right. white, man, white man is a devil. Volume one is the best thing you've ever done. It's like, hmm. God, really? All right, that's cool, but nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's hilarious. But I completely get it. I completely understand, man. You know, because the thing about music too is like people, if somebody falls in love with a record or an artist at a certain time in their life, that music becomes so tied into their own memories, to their own experiences, yeah. that they can never leave that part of it. They're like, no, no, no. You know, because they're tying it to shit in their own life their own glory days or the, the of course you know, i'm guilty of it with a lot of different things me too man. of I course mean, you I, have to be when i when i drive around in the car and i put on hip-hop i always put on stuff from like you know the 90s and stuff i grew up oh with. yeah you remember everything you remember certain nights when this song came on you remember who you were with what the what 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 was who you were with what the place smelled like what you did later on like you connect to all these things i'm guilty of it too that's a movies also you know, same thing. You know, certain movies are just terrible, but I think they're great, even though I know they're terrible, because of they're connected to certain things. You know what I mean? That sense memory, which again, I mean, that was why it was so hard for me writing an early sobriety, because I would be in the studio, I'm in the same place that I used to record, and, you know, anytime I get stuck writing, I'm like, I, I need a drink, I need... You know, and I would have to leave the studio in the beginning, man, because I was like, I'm going to use if I sit in this. Of course. You know what I'm sit in this feeling like that. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to work through all that, though, because that's I mean, it's not even a thought anymore. A, a lot of us, because, you know, I, I, I wrote you. I mean, I'm in recovery, too. You know what I mean? Like. October 1st was six years. I had like six years at one point. And then I went buck wild for like three and a half years. And now I'm back up to like a little over six years now. Oh, you went back out with time. You had like a, a good amount of time. and went back. I had, I had about uh, uh, probably around the same time that I have now. And just, and, and I've said this before, not necessarily on the podcast, but I have nobody to blame but myself. You know, there's always circumstances and, you know, the whole life on life's terms things, but at that time, I had reservations in my head. Like, nah, I don't think this is going to last forever. You know what I mean? Like, there was always that, nah, one day I think I'm going to enjoy a nice fucking icy cold Heineken. And then once that happens, then other things wind up happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So I was almost just looking in a sick, twisted way. I was almost kind of looking for an excuse to make me go do that. And something had happened and I went and I did that. And then once I did that, like it was, it was like the perfect insane storm in my life happened. My mother passed away. This went down, this went down. And it was like all within like one year, all of these crazy, literally life altering things besides what I was doing to myself happened. So that just intensified everything. And it, there was a time where I was just like, I just don't give a fuck and for, about nothing, nobody. Like, I'm going down in a blaze of glory. 
but my luck, of course, you know, I'll survive anything. It seems like, you know what I mean? And every single thing around me just got destroyed, you know? And, and that was, things were happening, but then I didn't help matters. You know what I mean? Whatsoever. And then one day I just fucking cops. I was, I'll tell it real quick. If you want to hear it real quick. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was in the back seat of my truck and it was just me and I was drinking a beer. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I closed the bars down and I'm in the backseat of my truck. I have a few beers. I'm drinking a beer. And next thing I know, there's like flashlights and all this and there's cops. And <clears throat> like, oh, is this your truck? I'm like, yeah, the truck wasn't even running. I'm like, yeah, it's my truck. I'm not trying to rob it. I'm sitting in the back seat, you know? <laughs> and uh, I don't really remember too much what happened for a few minutes or whatever. But next thing you know, I woke up, I'm in like Lutheran Hospital here in Brooklyn in the fucking like psych ward, dude. And I'm like, I, I, I don't even remember signing anything. And then I saw it afterwards. It's just like, because I, I couldn't even write. I was going through withdrawal and shit. It was crazy. I was in there for like two weeks. And then I went to this little, this little place in like Brownsville, Sean fucking Sean P neighborhood, hanging out in there for like 30 days. And then, uh, yeah, I wound up getting an apartment, but then it was crazy. You know, it was at the time, it's like, I have a little girl, dude, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's what bothered me the most. It's like, that's how sick I get where even that doesn't matter, dude. You know, that's, that's fucking, it's disgusting and twisted, bro. You know, but that's why it's an illness, man. It's a, you know, I, people argue it's a disease. I don't, right. you know, it's not a disease. It's a disease. I don't really care. I know it's a thing that I got, man. And, you yeah. know, I mean, I work with people on a regular basis who are trying to recover, man. And it's like, it's a hell of a thing, man. It's not, it's not an easy thing to overcome. No, nah, a lot yeah. of us don't make it, dude. I've been to so many people, man. And that's where that power greater than yourself thing comes from. Cause you know, like if you think about, you know, I, I was the same way. Like I got sober when my son was five and that was a big driving force that gave me the willingness as I realized, like, I'm never going to be the father that's this kid needs. Right. And, um, but you know, but I still drank and used for the first five years of his life. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, man. I mean, I remember my, my, my daughter came to visit me in this place she vaguely, thank God, she vaguely remembers it. You know what I mean? And what's cool is, but I guess it's cool now that she was so little, but she does not have any recollection. What's, she's 11 now, but she has no recollection of me ever drinking. Yeah. Ever. My son, too. Isn't that great, dude? Like you she got actually going to five, right? Yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. was about five. I got sober when my son was five. And it's, it's, you know, it's right on that line. If it was a year later, he would have remembered. But he doesn't, he, does, he has no recollection of it. Thank God, dude. Thank God. Yeah. Dodge the bullet, dude. Yeah. And she, and you know, because listen, I mean, I grew up, my, my, my real father was fucked up. There was always shit going on. My sister was all fucked up. But, you know, she even asked me, my daughter, one day, she's like, Dad, did you ever drink? I was honest. I was like, yeah. I was like, I did, and I did a lot of stupid things, and it's just not good. Like, and she doesn't see me. She's not around drinking or anything like that. Like, her mom might drink every once in a blue, but it's nothing like of an issue. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So it's nothing I mean, like how I, 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 talk, I talk pretty openly to my son about it. Like I didn't until I was about three years sober, but I mean, I'm on the phone with people out there helping people get into detox or treatment or helping, you know, and um, so he knows because he hears me talking to people and he sees yeah. what I mean. And I talk to him about, you know, it's an illness, man. It's it's a hell of a thing to recover from. And I tell him some of the stuff I had to go through to do it and and um, and what I do to stay sober and all that. And I tell him, like, you know, you could it could be something that you have. Like it's yeah. you know, and it's something you got. to. That's why I'm open with him about it, because it's you know, it's it's something that runs in families, man. It's oh, it's, it runs deep in mind. Dude. I think, My I whole think fault is lying. I think we're born with it. You know what I mean? Because I don't it's, what a lot of people don't realize is is the drugs and alcohol are just a symptom. It's really, you yeah. know, we're treating the actual illness with that. Sure. Because you know I mean? you, once you take those things away, then I got this crazy mind that keeps spinning. Uh, and I have to treat cool. that on a regular basis, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to call it like a cop-out because it's not. It's, it, like, I almost have this mentality. It's like, all right, you know, everything, you know, everybody has, you know, a messed up childhood or something happens or whatever, you know, but that doesn't help matters either, especially like I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, I grew up in Canarsie, you know, I, I went to fucking high school with, with, with Gore-Tex and Bill, you know what I mean? Like I grew up in the same. Oh, did you really? I didn't know you guys went, to, you went to high school with those well, guys. Well, Bill was only there for like literally like three days ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Gore wasn't there too much either, but I lived like two blocks from the Glenwood Projects. Mm-hmm. So like I would see them all the time and they were all into the metal thing and I was into the metal thing. Like I have I have Bill's first ever demo with Injustice with his brother, like this the metal, you know, the metal band and all that stuff. I have yeah. all that stuff. But um yeah, it was a, one of my first ever jobs was was handing out flyers for like this local chicken joint. And it was me, this dude, uh Mark, who was who used to write tenor, he used to do some stuff with, with Gore back in the day and in Q Unique and stuff. And this one kid, this graffiti writer kid, we would hand out flyers. I was like, I don't know, 14 years old, something like that. So fuck, what the fuck was I talking about? I was talking about something, man. You were saying something about a cop out and growing up in Brooklyn, blah blah blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, things, you know, of course things happen, you know, but it's like you grow up in, that's what it was. You grow up in certain neighborhoods. And then I had an older sister who used to go out and party all the time. She was six years older than me. So she would go and she always said, I, I'm only, we're six years apart, but our birthdays are a day apart. I'm September 5th, 75. She's September 6th, 69. So she always said, when I turn 21, I'm bringing my brother out. So I turned 15, she turned 21. So I was always hanging out with her and all her older friends. So I was always the younger kid hanging out on Flappish Avenue and all the sort of crazy bars. So it's also a time, like nowadays, I don't think it's the same at all. You know what I mean? There was a huge run of bars. I was hanging out with a bunch, a whole bunch of knuckleheads. And I was the young kid. So I was able to get in anywhere. So of course, you're 15, you want to be the cool kid. You have this jacked up childhood and you're out with your older sister. You think you're cool. And then you just get involved in shit. And then it just spirals out of control. Next thing you know, you're 40 years old and you're in a fucking cycle. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think it's and part of it can be an environment thing and, and a cultural Part of it. Thing. Sure. You know, but but ultimately, man, I mean, I see we, it doesn't discriminate. man. there's people from yeah. all backgrounds, from Absolutely. all different situations and um yeah. All different drugs of choice, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's really like, 
it's kind of the amazing thing about recovery too, is like, no matter where I go in the world, I can usually find a meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Always somewhere to go. There's always, you know, and it's the same language, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of people that I've met in recovery and that I'm friends with that I normally probably wouldn't be friends with. Of course not. Of course not. And I like that. I think that's a yeah. like cool thing. And it is all sorts of walks of life too, because on, on April fool's day, 2004, I took myself voluntarily and checked into Daytop. I don't know if you ever heard of Daytop. It's, it's, I don't even know what the, how, the, you know, if they're even running to full capacity anymore. But it was a, an in-house, upstate New York, in-house fucking long-term drug and alcohol treatment. A lot of people were mandated through jail and stuff like that. You get a program, you do whatever, you finish the program, you get your sentence, you know. But there was maybe 200 people. I was upstate New York at uh, this place called Springwood. And I, I was there for 16 months to the day, voluntarily, dude. 16 months. And that's where I got my first clean time. And that was, you know, 16 months. And then I came back and I got a job and I was good for a while. But um, all walks of life, dude. I mean, you, ha you have your, your, your neighborhood crack dealer who is there. You have hookers who were there. It was, it was like 90% men, but there was a female little dorm. And there were CEOs, people like me, like every color under the sun, every religion, you know, so it, it doesn't discriminate whatsoever, you know, so... Yeah, it's, it's a fucked up thing. It's better It's better on this side, man. It's better on this side. Oh, 100%, my man. I don't got to worry about shit that I said. I don't worry. got to worry about watching my back in my own neighborhood. I don't got to worry about my bank account like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like shit like that. Yeah, man. I mean, it wreaks havoc in every area of life. Every area. Dude. My job. I got a steady job. Like, it's, it's crazy, dude. My daughter is like me and my daughter are cool. Like, everything is good, bro, you know? Yeah, you get to show up for life, man. It's a beautiful thing. Perfect example. You know, it's not always uh, it's not always easy, neither, man. It's like hell you know, no. And it, I tell people I had a great time, you know, until it really turned on me at the end. I was having a great time. You know what I'm I saying? I say that so too. Like, I, it, and it had its time and its place in my life, yes. for sure. But. Um, Man, you know, life can still be difficult in sobriety. Like you said, when you had the time before and, and all this shit starts to hit you and, and you can think like when, you know, like, man, I got, you know, this, this much time sober and this is what happens. Like you feel like you deserve like a reward or something. <laughs> right. Like, it's true. It's so like, true. And, and when shit starts hitting the fan, you're like, fuck. Yeah. It's fucking brutal. It's the truth, man. It's fucking shit. Yeah, it's, it'll sneak up on you, but I mean, th things are. I mean, you can never say never, but right now I could say that I'm, 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 I'm. Pretty, you know, it's, 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 it's different because where I wound up last time was a hundred times worse than where I was before I checked myself into rehab the first time. So I don't. Even they say like when you go back out, you don't just pick up where you left off. You, you. You fall into where you would have been if you never stopped. Like, and, you, I, you and, and that's and no bullshit. That's no bullshit. So I don't even want to even think about where that would be. See, I never went out with time, man. I, it took me 15 years to get 30 days. Like, I started 
I started going to meetings when I was 18 and I just couldn't, I was like 11 days, 17 days, 19 days, 23 days, two days, five days, nine days. You know, I could never, it took me 15 years to get a 30 day chip. Damn. Well, <laughs> listen, at least you were trying all those times, man. Oh, bro, I tried over and over. And when I first went, I thought like, I'm not as bad as these people. Cause I was 18. Right. And then oh, yeah. by the time I was like 28, I was like, I'm worse than these people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Because when I first went into the re into 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 daytop, I thought I was fucked up, and I was for my life and everything. I was I was jacked, and I went up there, and I'm hearing like these stories, like these women are uh, they're standing standing in front of 200 people, just telling people things that you would never tell your best friend if you were out there. You know what I mean? And that shit humbles you, bro. And there was some stories that I heard. It's like, God damn, you know, like just horrible. Can't even make this kind of shit up. And, you know, I don't want to be like that if I go back out because it'll probably I'll be in a situation like it's, just, it's just, you know. The thing I always say I love about meetings is you can say something in a meeting that if you said it like at your job or anywhere in normal life, people yeah. would look at you like you're a fucking insane. But yeah, you, could, you could say the same thing in a meeting and everyone laughs and relates. Yeah, like, of course. Absolutely. Know, the whole room. It's not like one person. It's like we all get it. You know? Yeah, it's like you're a comedian just killing it in there. It's true. I love, I love it, man. It's, uh, you know. Yeah. It's definitely like one place. I, you know, I always kind of felt like an outsider, no matter where I was, but I don't feel like an outsider in, in a meeting. I feel like I'm right where I belong. So yeah, I absolutely. Since we're on this, I won't, obviously I won't get into it, but everyone kind of knows, but shout out to Danny boy too, because he's doing great shit too. Oh bro. He, he couldn't stand me for a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love Danny, bro. He's so yeah, he, he was like, you know, two years sober, three years sober or something when the coca was rolling and yeah. And I was not having any kind of sobriety. I mean, you know. Yeah. He saw me come in and get nine days, 12 days. I would be like, I'm coming back to meetings, bro. I'd be like, good. And then I'd be out, you know, drinking on tour two-fifths a day. I'd be running down again. And yeah. He, he was, he like had it up to here with my shit, bro. Yeah. I love Danny. That's why I talk to him often. He's such a good dude, man. Does great shit, the outside his house and all that shit. I saw you you were there not that long ago. Yeah, I was shooting a movie down there in August, man. It was cool. I mean, I love I've shot three movies in Tulsa now. And actually the first one I shot down there with uh with Marilyn Manson, uh Let Me Make You a Martyr. Mm -hmm. Danny came down to meet me. He was like, Yo, I love Tulsa. We stopped there and I want to say 2010 with Lakoka and he was, he was sober and he was going out and he was taking pictures and doing the Delta Bravo thing. Yeah. And he found the outsider's house. Yeah. And um, so he, he loved Tulsa. So he used to go down, drive to Tulsa from LA. So I, I told him I'm going to shoot a movie down there. And he was like, yo, I'll meet you down there. And, and he did. And, um, and then he was like, yo, I'm going to go check out the outsider's house. I'm going to talk to the owners, blah, blah, blah. So he's, I watched that happen. Like, I think I was a year sober or something like that when that happened. I've watched him like acquire that house. Yeah. Put all that together. And I've been back a couple of times because the director of that movie is from Tulsa. And um, so I went down there in August and shot a movie with um with William Forsyth and Josh really? Hopkins, Frank Grillo, Melissa Leo, 
and uh and I spent a month living down there this time and uh and I got to hang with Danny a lot man so yeah it's cool yeah man it's a bucket list place I need to go there I, I love Danny man and you know when I was living in LA and he was in LA I would see him like every day yeah and, uh, you know now I don't see him as much I miss him so to be down there shoot shoot a movie and get to, you know I'm staying a block away from where he lives and get up yeah. every morning for and breakfast. you're sober sober we do that on tour too man like when we're on tour you know we'll meet up and have coffee in the lobby in the morning eat some breakfast talk yeah. to, you know talk about life sobriety whatever you know what i mean yeah man so good it's fucking crazy well you you touched on movies man but do you want to get into that like like first of all i gotta put the town in, in my top 10 movies ever the town it's it's top 10 i don't know where but it's in there it's incredible. And it's aged really well, too. Like It's aged. I watched it, like, a month ago. And it's just, like, it's still such a great fucking movie. Yeah, it's a cool thing to be a part of, man. It's the first thing that I ever did that really penetrated pop culture. So it's, like, I could be in Russia and somebody, like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. People start quoting lines at you and stuff like that, no matter where you go, no matter where you are. You know what yeah. I mean? You have that oh shit moment, like what, like, like that oh shit, like you have to have those moments sometimes. Oh, I mean, I've had them for my whole career, bro. Because I, you know, yeah, it's, it's very surreal to do any of this stuff for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, House of Pain was my favorite group when I was a kid. Of course, posters on my wall. So I mean, that that was surreal. Like being in the studio with DJ Premier was surreal. Being in the studio with 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 uh, Be Real and, and Everlast and Ridiculous. Bill Bill and all. I mean, that was surreal too. And, and then being on a movie set with Ed Harris and Morgan Freeman and Ben Affleck directing me, that was crazy, bro. So yeah, it's like, man. I still, I, you know, I don't take none of that for granted. Like I'm very, I have a lot of gratitude for that stuff. And yeah. also just, you know, to, to live all that stuff has been so cool. Like I've, you know, I've, I've had like a really cool experience in life and despite all you know there's been obviously a lot of hard stuff too man but i think when you look at the whole picture it's like wow you know like yeah. even the hard stuff it's like all right you know what i mean uh, like yeah we got through that though this is life this is yeah. life and it's like a, it's a big beautiful life so it is like you said like you said just a, a couple minutes ago you're like you know some of those times when you were out there you had before it turned on you Listen, I'll be the first one to say it, man. Also, I had some of the greatest times in my life while I was out there, especially like in the mid-90s, early 90s, when, you know, I was still young, early 20s. You know what I mean? No no real responsibilities and just going out and just had my little stupid dead-end job because it was just party money. It's some of the greatest times ever, bro, that I'll never forget. But then, then it consumes you. Well, at least it consumes me. And it becomes a sh fucking shit show. Yeah, so, like it too much. <laughs> yeah, love it too much. Now I now I respect it. You know, I got to, you know, stay over there, you know? But, um, so now, uh, how did that all come about? Like, did, did you ever want to just, like, become, like, an actor? Was that, like, a goal of yours? I always wanted to, I wanted to direct and to write, man. I, um... I, you know, I struggled with the, the booze and the drugs early on. Like I said, I, I went to meetings when I was like 18. So after 
high school, which I just barely graduated, I, um, you know, I wanted to go to college and I took like a year to like clean my act up, which means I left all the hard, the dust and the blow and all that stuff behind. And I was just like smoking, smoking weed and, and drinking. Yeah. And, um, which still, you know, but, uh, it can still be fucking, but I was like, you know, I, I was like, I want to make movies. I went to film school actually for about seven months. I went to school of visual arts in New York and that's how I ended up in New York. And, um, and that's, that by Brian, was that by Bryant Park? School, um, of visual arts. school of visual arts is on 23rd and third in Manhattan. Okay. All right. No, so I'm thinking of something else. There's, there's a place. It's like a, School of something like that, which is right next to daytime headquarters on 42nd, right by Bryant Park. That's why it's mm. anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I went there and uh, you know I ended up getting kicked out of film school and and I you know I got more into the hip hop, which I had always been doing. I had always been writing rhymes since I was a kid, but I never got on stage until I moved to New York and I went to uh, Barbito's open mic at the New Yorkian Poet Cafe and I started, you know. Uh, hitting open mics and going to the studio for the first time and all that. And, yeah. and I kind of left the, I kind of left the ideas of making, making movies behind until, you know, years later when I started to get some steam with the music. And when I say steam, like, you know, I, I had a lot of stuff fall apart. I was squatting in a warehouse. Um, I started to get a buzz in Boston, but I was like a disaster, bro. And, um, you know, the kid that was, that was backing me took a pinch. I ended up uh, squatting in this warehouse, no hot water and no electricity, but lethal had signed me to a pre-production deal at that time. And that's when the Coca kind of formed and the Herald did a story about it. And, um, and that's when Ben Affleck was in town um, casting Gone Baby Gone, and he opened up the paper and he saw me, and they, he called me in, and and I auditioned for uh, for a different role that I ended up getting. I, I went in for like five auditions, and then I got the role in that movie, and Lacoca started popping at the same time. So by the time Gone Baby Gone came out in the theater, I was you know touring the world with with uh, you know yeah. with my heroes. <laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, yeah, man, it, things started to get real good on the outside for a while there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No, it's crazy. So, so in a nutshell, like just, a, just real quick, I just want to Ben Affleck discovered you. Yeah. Out of the newspaper. About That's a, crazy. From an article about the coca, you know what I'm saying? Which was about like house of pain, getting back together with, That's... with me and ill bill and, and lefty. And you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. That's dope. And it was like, you know, it was a decade of work from the time like that I, you know, started doing the open mics. I was 96. So it was 10 years later. It was 2006 when all that kind of started to, you know, come into play. And um, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom, everything started clicking and working. And uh, so you do Gone Baby Gone. Next thing you know, you're on the set of the town chilling with. Ben Affleck and like Jeremy Renner, fucking hard, bro. Bro, I had to cancel. Lacoco was really like popping off at that time. I had to back out of a tour, a European tour to shoot that movie. And right, I remember, man. I remember that there wasn't like, you know, some of the guys in the group were like, oh, bro, you know, they understood, but it was like, 
it sucked. Yeah. We got a tour right now, bro. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, I got to do this movie. Yo, I'm doing a movie about fucking a heist. Of fucking- Nobody knew it was going to be what it was, though. Nobody knew it was the town. It was going to be the town. What ended up being, like you said, it's like a, a classic for that era. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, yeah. You know, what do you mean you're doing a movie? Because most movies suck, you know? Yeah, I mean? like, but not the town. You're going to pull off a heist of fucking Fenway Park. What? And every rapper's like, I'm going to do a movie. You know what of I mean? Of course. <laughs> that ended up being what it was. And uh, what a time. Yeah, I'm sure, man. That's fucking crazy. I, did, I mean, it's a stupid question, but I just have to ask because it's on top of my head. You you keep in touch with any of those dudes? A little bit. A little That's bit. That's cool. That's cool. Got anything coming up as far as like filming anything right now, movie wise? Well, just just the thing that I did in Tulsa um, in August. So and that was cool. I I learned a southern accent for it, and I play a detective. Usually, I'm playing like a bad guy, but yeah, that was a little change of pace. And uh, yeah, man, just doing the deal a day at a time. We'll see what happens. I mean, I was living in LA for a while and doing like you know, a lot of auditioning and stuff like that. And then I moved back. I was living by coastally for about a decade where I had a spot in LA and Boston. And then last year, like right before the pandemic, I, I, uh, I ended up moving back here because my son is getting older. I was tired of being on the road so much between touring and being you're, in, you're in Boston now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I just, I moved back here and then the pandemic came and, you know, it's been, it's been a crazy year, bro. It's fucking crazy, bro. And and the beginning of this year is it's it's the same. It's just a continuation. It's crazy. I don't know how it is as far as regulations and shit with this whole virus shit in Boston, but New York ain't sweet, bro. Yeah, it's everywhere. So I mean, I can't even imagine New York though. I I lived in New York for five years, and I mean, New York is just a crowded place, man. You know what I'm saying, I've, I, bro? I've I've said this a few times, but. I've never said it to you, so I don't care if the people that are listening heard this story 14 times already, too bad. But it's funny because <laughs> it's a really good time to hit spots for the team, bro, for the Delta Bravo team when there's nobody out, right? I work in Midtown Manhattan. I work on 45th and Vanderbilt Avenue, three blocks from Times Square, four blocks. To, to get out of work, thank God I've been working the whole time, but to get out of work on like a weekday at 5.30, 6 o'clock, and literally as far as I can see down 42nd Street, and I see maybe 10 people on the street, as far as I can see during rush hour. That's crazy. It was fucking surreal bro it's, it's like that right now like there's no, not it, there's, there's more people now but when this shit first hit oh when it first hit yeah i it, saw a picture on tv of like uh union square and it was empty and i was like wow i, was, I, I got i got mad pictures i'll be telling you you know what i did it was perfect you know the movie vanilla sky yep i, I don't know the, a lot of people say yeah but like like they don't really remember it but right in the beginning he wakes up and he's in a dream. Tom Cruise is in a dream and he gets up and he jumps in his car and he goes all the way down. And obviously it's movie magic. He's going down Central Park West. And next thing you know, he turns and he's at, he's, he's right in the middle of Times Square. And there is no one in Times Square. Now, when they shot that, it wasn't CGI. They literally shut it down for like five hours and they shot that stuff and then they bounced. 
I went there to go mash a few spots with the Delta Bravo thing in the middle of Times Square, and there was nobody there. It was just like the fucking movie Vanilla Sky. Yeah. Bro, I'm walking five avenues on the double yellow line in the middle of the street, and maybe one time I have to get out of the way because it's a cab, a taxi cab behind crazy i love the i love the um cinematography in that movie yeah and so and i and i thought i remembered and it's true so i was i was looking this up i googled it quick while you were talking about it and uh the cinematographer in that movie is john toll they call him dr toll he's an amazing amazing cinematographer he won the academy award twice i think yeah and he did gone baby gone so he was that's crazy yeah, he was he was the uh, the cine- the director of photography for Gone Baby Gone, and I remember the first <clears throat> the first scene that I shot or the second scene I shot in Gone Baby Gone. I'm driving in the car with Casey Affleck, and you know the whole camera crew is like crunched in the back seat. Yeah, and uh, and I, and and he's like, I just want you to you know sit how you'd be comfortable or whatever. You don't have to like bunch up on the seat. We'll adjust to you. And I was like, well, I think I would be more comfortable like this. And <laughs> back, you know, I'm just like right off the street shooting a movie. <laughs> yeah, no experience, no ideas to what's going on or whatever. And I'm like leaning the seat back, and these guys are like, oh, <laughs> back. And then fucking when we're done shooting the scene, one of the one of the camera guys was like. What's the matter with you, man? Do you know who that was? Do you know who that is? That's fucking John Tall. That's he's one of the greatest cinematographers of all. He didn't say this to me, but the other guy was like, yeah. "What's the matter with you? Like, why yeah, are you feedback from him?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sorry, man. I'm just trying to trying to be in the scene." Yeah, trying to be in the scene. You told me to be comfortable. I'm gonna be comfortable. And he was he was an awesome guy, man. He was an awesome guy to work with, but. I, so after that, I was like really impressed. I was like, let me see what this dude does. So that's why I looked it up. Cause I was like, I think that's one of the movies he did. He's just brilliant, brilliant cinematographer. Yeah. It's a bugged out movie, but it was crazy. Like I was, I was running through me and my girl through Times Square. There's nobody. It's like movie shit. You feel like on a set of a movie. Like where is everybody? Crazy. When on a normal day, there would be literally 50,000 people surrounding you. Yeah, across the street. It's crazy, like how much this has affected our our daily lives, and just like the way we interact socially now, man. It's like it's, we're all gonna have P- PTSD when this is over with. And is it ever gonna be over with? Like, I mean, is there ever gonna be a time where we're not wearing masks? And I feel like that's like the new way of life, and that we're on screens like this. And it, it, I feel that way a lot of times too, man. It's like. Everything is virtual, this, that, every everything, dude. And it's like, all right, you get a vaccine, but if you get a vaccine, you can still give it and get it. You'd still have to socially distance. You still have to wear a mask. It's, it's like, what's going on, man? You know, and it, I'll be, you know, I, I'll admit it. When this first, when you first, first heard about it, I'm like, ah, whatever, it's bullshit. You know, ah, whatever. Next thing you know, they're canceling the fucking baseball seasons. And I'm like, hold on. I'm like, that's, Dough right there, like that's crazy. Right, I haven't done a show in a year, so I never thought in my life that I would go a year without performing. Right, it's nuts. It's 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 and, and like touring musicians whose livelihoods. It's like 
they're doing live streams from an empty club, like for a few dollars. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's tough, man. I mean, I have, I have other sources of income as far, like I've kind of diversified my stuff and all that. So it hasn't, but I know it's got to be crushing a lot of artists. It's got to be, you know, because, you know, that's, you know, that's like obviously a big source of our income is live shows. And it's like when, when they, they shut down Massachusetts the day before my St. Patty's Day show, which I did 13 years in a row. This was, last year was going to be the 14th year in a row. And um, not only that, did I have to cancel that, but I canceled 30 shows that I had coming up over the next three months. Unreal. It was nuts. And, and you know, then we start looking at, all right, maybe in July, maybe in August. And it's yeah. like, here we are a year later in February. A year later. And that was for it. That was the one day record. You were going to do some shows for exporting that record. I, I did a few shows at the beginning when one day came out, but I was really going to tour it in the spring. And uh, yeah. I just, I never, uh, I never, I never really got to tour that record. I was just saying it's an archetype the other day. My producer, I was like, man, when it's time to tour again, I'm going to have to learn one day. Cause when you perform songs, like you have to learn them to the point you can't just like, go through the lyrics a few times to actually perform our set. Yeah. You have to know the shit so cold that you can think about other things while you do it. Cause ultimately that happens. You know what I mean? You see somebody's face, something, your mind wanders or whatever. And if you don't know the shit ice cold, yeah. then, you know, you're fucking up. <laughs> I mean, you have to hit everything so perfect to really ride it the right way to, you know, you have to have such a level of memorization like where it's just part of your being and you know what I mean? Where you just sure. know perfectly. And I never got that with that record. Like I, I performed it, you know, a couple times right when it came out, but I never, you know, like if I had to go do it tomorrow, I'm you yeah, know, you're screwed. You see, need that, you need that, that, that muscle memory shit going on, bro. Yeah. Fuck man. Yeah. So, I mean, is it ever going to end? Who the fuck knows, man? I hope so. I, I, I hope it ends soon. Man. It's, it's, it's 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 also hanging out, bro. Human interaction. Go to a show. I don't even care. Like if if there's something going on, like I'll just go just just to see it. I don't even care if I'm I'm even a big fan of the band or whatever. I just wanted something. Yeah, you know what it is. What I, and I was saying it to my girl the other day. <clears throat> you know, life has been really good this year, and like I've been very close with like my immediate yes family and inner circle. What? Mm-hmm. I have a ton of friends like that I haven't really seen and people that are part of my life, like, but in a more parallel way, where, like people I see at meetings or people I see in LA or people I see in New York or, you know what I'm saying? Like sure. those people, you know, that are dear friends to me, like I haven't really got to hang with them in a year, man. And I miss them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I miss you know, I miss the, I miss being social with, the, you know, I have a big circle of people that I love and that I want to see on a regular basis. And, yeah. uh, and it's taken that away. I miss going to games with my son, man. Me and my son love going to games. Yeah. Even go to the movies. Like my daughter, like sometimes it'd be a shitty day. Like I usually have my daughter on the weekends, basically whenever I want, but it's usually on the weekends. It's like, you know, if it's a shitty day outside, or oh, let's, just, let's you know pick out a movie. We'll go out to the movies. Can't even go to a movie theater right now. You can't even go to a diner. Like, like can't even go to a diner just to just to get out of the house and just go eat a fucking burger at the diner. You just can't do that. Yeah, 
What's the subway like in New York during that? I, I haven't had to stand on a subway for over a year. Really? I've gotten a seat every day, and I take the train to and from work every day. So people aren't riding it then the way they normally do. There, there's more people now, but still not to the point where I've ever had to stand yet. I've gotten a seat every time, and nine times out of ten, there's nobody sitting next to anybody. That's insane, because I don't even think I've ever sat on the subway in New York. I mean, I'm, I, I have, but, you know, generally... Yeah, far and few between. During high traffic times, man, you it's like a can of sardines every Every yeah, oh no, not now, man. And you know what's fucked up? It's the, the homeless people too, man. They're, they're everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. West Fourth Street, what... West Fourth Street platform, train platform, full of homeless people. People That's all what people are telling me in LA too. People are telling me Hollywood is like a tent city now. Like it's just yeah, a lot crazy. of people bouncing out of LA. I know, fucking crazy, dude. I don't know, man. I haven't been. I haven't been to New York since this started. Have I? No, I haven't been to New York since this started. I haven't been to LA since this started. Jesus Christ! And those. I mean, I travel a lot, you know. And and those are my three. I lived in New York for five years. I lived part time in LA for a decade. I mean, yeah. I've been. That's my triangle right there. I'm always going to New York, LA, Boston, and uh, of me. To go this long without being in L.A. and New York, man, it's like, it hurts my heart. You know what I mean? Of course, man. It's fucking, it's a fucked up situation, man. It's it's, it's like, where have I gone? I I haven't gone anywhere. Like, I go back and forth to work. We'll go just, I mean, just, just to get out of the house to do something. Like, I'll be like, yo, I found a spot. Like, me and my girl will go and we'll go, we'll go take pictures and hit a spot. But like Delta Bravo shit, just to get out of the house. Just to go do something. I'll drive to fucking wherever to a cemetery to go take a picture of some fucking psycho serial killer's tombstone. Just to just to get out of the house. You know what I'm saying? You know, it happens all the time. But it's just it's a reason to get out of the house. But there's really nothing going on. You know, it's work, home, work, home, work, home. It's like, yo, man. You know, I mean, it could be worse. A lot of people have it worse. I'm not sitting here complaining, but something's got to give eventually, though. You know? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, overall, like, it's, I've been real blessed this year. Like, yeah. you know, roof over my head, great. You know, th- everything has really been great. I I actually, like, really only started really feeling this of late. You know what I mean? Because I just was, I was full of gratitude last year, and I just enjoyed the time to pause, bro. I've been living out of a suitcase for fucking 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So to be able to stay home, I was really appreciating it for a while. Like, yo, I don't have to, I don't have to live out of a bag. I'm not on the road all the time. I get to see my son every day. Of course. Just, you, know. Yeah, you, know who, you know who said the exact same thing? I had him on a while ago, Scott Vogel. Yeah. He said the same thing. <laughs> you know, oh, he's the best. But he said the same thing. He's like, nah, I'm good. Like, I, I'm not living out of a suitcase. Like, I can chill for a little while. But then he got really, he got hit bad with the virus. Like, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's good now. But, yeah, he was saying the same thing. Like, I'm chilling right now. I'm not on a fucking van, some crazy place. Like, I'm just chilling. But now everyone's getting that itch, man. People got to get out. You know, you do it so long, you just get used to it. That's a way of life. Like, you chase the bag around the world, you know what I'm saying? And um, 
and I loved it like when I was younger, you know what I mean? And then it becomes like, I still love to perform, but I hate the travel of it. Of course. So, you know, this has been, like I said, I was real grateful to have the forced pause for a while. Now I just miss my friends. I don't miss touring really. I do miss miss performing, you know, but I don't really miss like packing up and being on the road for two months. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I miss that. Well, it's just, I just, I'm glad you just, I don't know. It just popped in my head, but Hopefully this shit ends for one other reason, because word around the campfire is that there's a new Coca record coming out. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it right now. Are you? Remember, I told you I usually work on two or three things at the same time. Like While while I was recording this record, I'm also working on a record with Static Selector. And we started working on this Coca record, too. So, yeah. I love working with Bill, dude. The the song that he's on, that's on my um, on this newest album, on the things we can't forgive. It was the second last song I wrote for the record. When the we, war ends. When the war ends, we already oh, had brilliant. We already had the album artwork, and I was like, man, we don't have the we don't have the intro track for this album yet. And um, Archetype started playing something based off of the painting that the steward did, he, that's an original painting he did for the album. And I played him a bunch of the record and stuff and told him what, what it was about and some of the other stuff that he had painted that I liked. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go in that vein, but, you know, really, you know, kind of cultivate it around this, this record. And, right. uh, and he did. And then I told him, I was like, you re-inspired us to make this song. So when he's playing that and, it's time to write the hook. All I can think about is Bill. All I could hear is Bill's voice on this beat. I was like, he has to do the hook. Like I hit him up and he's like, send it. And he, and, and he listened to it. He's like, I got something for that. And then he sent it like an hour later. So awesome. Yeah, that's, that's like one of the, I love working with Bill, man. Like we, yeah. uh, Bill's such a good dude, man. I was in his house. Like we did like a two and a half hour podcast sitting in his living room. It was just, we went way back from like to Canarsie High School to, I mean, all the way through to at the time he had just put out Cannibal Hulk. Yeah, Bill has really been like one of my, you know, Bill's like a brother to me. He's been one of my mentors. Like, he's also, um, he's just such a great writer. And that's what I am at the end of the day. I'm a writer. You know what I'm saying? Like above and anything that I can do with acting or film or music, it all is just writing, right? Yeah. It's like, I just adapt the writing to whatever the medium is, but, <clears throat> um, but Bill is just such a great writer. So like to be able to write with him, to talk about writing with him, to, to make these songs and conceptually put albums together with him. He's, um, and he's, he all, he also just really understands like the business yeah. The music business, especially uh, do it yourself, the independent hustle, oh, more than anyone I've ever met. And he schooled me, and I didn't. I didn't follow all his advice, which I should have early on. But yeah. I learned. I learned over time, and definitely, um, he's just he's got a great mind for this stuff, man. Yeah. and consistent like a motherfucker. Yeah, he's great, man. Just consistent, bong, bong, bong. I mean. Every it seems seems like every other month it's like something new. Bang, Gorilla Twins, this Cannibal Hulk, this. 
the new record, La Bella Medulla, all of that shit. It's like just one thing after another, after another. And it's just consistently good shit. Well, I think you get to this point in your career and you start to think about, you know, how lucky we are to have been able to do this for so long. You know what I mean? And you start to see like, this isn't forever neither. So Mm -hmm. it almost re-inspires you when you get to this age in hip hop and you're still doing it at a very high level. Yeah. Like I want to keep making great shit while I can, because I know like how fast time goes by, man. Like I, I look at my son growing up so fast. It's like, he was a little, little kid like six months ago now he's a teenager it's like it's nuts no i think the same thing it's like i look at my daughter it's like how are you like over my shoulder i'm six feet and you're 11 years old and your head is over my shoulder (laughs) like i remember when you were the size of a football like it's crazy now she tells me about myself you know what i mean and you can't argue because she's right you know what i mean and i think that and i you know talking about like the beginning of the coca and, <clears throat> and gone baby gone in the town and all that and that shit all went by in the blink of an eye man it's like yeah. the time passes but when you become cognizant of that stuff and appreciate and you realize like time we, we are here for a fucking blink of an eye and time goes by this fast this is something that i've worked my whole life at that i, I still have a passion for it yeah. and i want to put out the best work i can do now while i'm still yeah. doing it you know what I'm saying? I want to put out the best stuff in my career right now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm still driven to do that right now. And I know Bill is the same way, yeah. you know? So, I mean, it shows, I mean, it shows that like, you're working on other things. I'm sure you got shit written all over the place for even potentially another record. Like you said, like this record that you just put out, wasn't even really supposed to even be like, like a record itself. Right. It was just like a, it was going to be an EP. It was just some stuff I was going through and right. then I was maybe, it, it wasn't even going to be an EP. It was just stuff, writing stuff I was going through. And then I was like, maybe it could be an EP. I don't know. You think, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it was like, so it was, I was in the fields, bro. So it was like, I didn't know <laughs> if I, you know, how does this work with the rest of the shit I'm doing? And then, you know, we started to, started to put it together, man. So I'm mm-hmm. glad, that, glad that I put it out. It seems to be like really resonating with people, man. I always really love it. When, when people connect with something, they'll write you their stories that they relate to it or whatever, yeah. and that's cool. It's, it's, it's one of the things I like about social media, which I don't really like in general, but Immediate. one of the things I like is being able to be connected with people that I don't even know, like, that have followed my music, and, you know, it, it connects us with people around the world. You know, sure. it's, it's crazy. Yeah, those, th- those are the good things about social media. Yo, you mind if I throw out my sponsors right quick? Go ahead, man. All right. Um, you said you said you know you you you'll, you'll sit down with Danny Boy and have a cup of coffee. Are you a coffee guy? You're in recovery, so you're probably a coffee guy. I'm a coffee addict. I just drank this coffee yeah. while we were doing the. Yeah. All right. Check it out. Dead Sled Coffee is one of the sponsors on the podcast. Um, if you go to, you can follow them at Dead Sled Coffee. Um, Go to deadsidecoffee.com. If you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 15% off your order. And anything over $40 is free domestic shipping within the United States. But what's dope with them, they did a, a special brew with, um, you just recently did their podcast, the Post America podcast. They just okay. did um, a special blend with Wisdom and Chains. 
They did uh they're coming out with a bro, they they signed a, a legit thing with Cypress Hill. Um, there's like a whole Cypress Hill thing, Freddy Krueger, Robert Englund. They do a whole bunch of cool like horror shit and they work with people like Kiss. I think they just they just signed a deal with Kiss. They're putting out a special blend with Kiss. So they do like really good shit and they're not like foo-foo coffee. You know what I mean? It's like, it's good shit. And flavored coffee, any kind of coffee, tea, all kinds of shit. But they're dope. And it's a small business. They're based out of Jersey and Pennsylvania. But um, yeah, I was even, I was drinking that, their stuff before they became a sponsor. So I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so Dead Sled Coffee, they're the shit. Um, second one, one of the last on the block, Generation Records down at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. So far, they survived this whole epidemic thing. Um, go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you can order shit online. But if you're in the New York City area, go to the brick and mortar spot, um, two levels. You've probably been there before, right? Which spot? Generation Records. I have not. No? No. Wow, they've been there since like 92, bro. It's two floors, the whole, I mean, vinyl everywhere. They got merch. They, they well, because it was canceled, they used to sell black and blue bowl tickets there. And I must have been there before. You know what? Some of my memory is real foggy from before uh, seven years ago. Yeah, no, I get it. I completely understand. But uh, yeah, follow Generation Records on Instagram at Generation Records. They're good people in there. They don't really sponsor anybody, but I'm grateful that they sponsor me. Um, but last but definitely not least, New Republic Printing for embroider, uh, screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. NewRepublicPrinting.net. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. And what's dope about them is for shirts and shit, they have no screen fees, which is unheard of. I don't even know how they stay in business. No screen fees, no setup fees. And if you get your order delivered to a commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So you can get, I don't know, 2,000 Bridge Nine Boston t-shirts and there's 150 boxes delivered. It doesn't cost you an extra dime. Wow. So, yeah, man. New Republic Printing. I used them for the last 12 years for things. So way before the podcast too. Um, so yeah, New Republic Printing on Instagram and newrepublicprinting.net. Those are my three sponsors. Three small businesses that, thank God, have survived this whole shit. We survived, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, pushing. Fucking shit. So now, this thing that you filmed in Tulsa, what's the working title? Is there a working title? Yeah, it's called Ida Red. Ida Red. Okay. I saw. I didn't want to say because I saw it on the Wikipedia, but I didn't know if that was a, a thing yet. Sometimes Wikipedia yeah, can't go by. Well, I think it'll probably come out later this year. I just uh, They just sent me like some photos to get to approve or whatever. So nice. I'm assuming like... It's in the works. Yeah. So you, so you had to learn a Southern drawl? I did. How was that? Because some, some people I find, like, like fucking Gary Oldman, that dude has a crazy accent. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Even, like, I the, the walking I just watched a fighter with my son the other night. And, Unbelievable. Um, Christian Bale is just so good in that, man. And his Ridiculous. Perfect, like it's fucking perfect, and um, and I was telling my son, I was like, this dude has like a Scottish accent. Is it is it Irish or Scottish? It's, Scottish? So it's it's something definitely not Boston, far from Boston accent, that's for sure. Yeah, so it was crazy. But um, I started working with a dialect coach about four years ago, and um, 
just like you work out all the different muscles in your mouth and all that. Cause with the Boston accent, you know, there's part, there's different muscles that we don't use in our tongue and our mouth and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So Brooklyn too. It's like, I get it. Sure. And, you know, my, uh, my dialect coach, she's brilliant. And she, she like can break down the reason why every area talks like this, why New York is more out with their, their lips and their mouth because it's a crowded city and they have to project it, all this stuff. And, um, you know, why the South is more laid back and why this area is different than that area. But anyways, like over the course of time, like I could, you know, it was so difficult for me to do it when I had to do it for Let Me Make You a Martyr in 2015. But over the course of time, like it, it was uh, something like I started to build into my repertoire. Yeah. And uh, but don't get me wrong, I was still terrified, like the morning of you know i've been practicing it for a month before and then the morning of i was like oh my god everyone's online you know I, yeah. you know i i felt like i killed it the first night and then when i woke up the next day i was like oh fuck i have to do this for another month and then i'm like going around and i'm ordering my coffee in it and everything and it's one of those things like you have to get into it and be like if you ask me to do it right now i can't do it Right. You have to be like, in the, you have to be a method actor right there. I had to be in it for that month. And um, like I, I was doing some work like with the kid that I sponsor, like on, on Zoom or whatever. And, and I was like, uh, do you mind if I read it in the, in the accent? I don't want to bug you out or anything, but I was trying to stay in this accent. So I'm reading like in the 12 and 12 with him. <laughs> In the southern accent, he's dying laughing. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you to say something in a southern accent, bro. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's like spit a rhyme, bro. Spit yeah, a rhyme. Spit a rhyme like I you're from fucking Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, that's fucking funny, dude. Well, that's good, man. Like I said, man. Especially the last two records, unbelievable, dude. It's it's awesome. Like I, how I started this off. It's it's literally it's 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 a beautiful piece of music, dude. You know, it just in general, forget hip hop, whatever. It's just the whole thing, the whole message. It's heartfelt. It's real. And yeah, man, I I can't say enough enough good shit about it. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man. So I won't hold you hostage that much longer. But um, like I said, well, earlier, we're, in this, we're in this weird new world where, where I got like, you know, I'm at home. We're doing it. I got the girl and the kids in the other room. Like, go in the other room while I do this. You know? yeah, well, yeah, my girl's in the living room. I'm in my bedroom. Bro, I have my fucking pajama pants on, bro. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you going to do? It's fucking funny shit. Fuck holding each other hostage in our own houses on these fucking screens. Man. It's nuts, bro. It like, is. Even with the meetings, I don't like doing meetings on Zoom because I don't know who else is listening. Like, in a meeting, it's I know... true. We're in a meeting, <laughs> like, you talk about that feeling of connection, how you can say anything and everyone laughs, we all relate. Yeah. Now it's like somebody's, you know, <laughs> aunt or something is sitting right across the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know who's in there it bugs me out a little bit you know <laughs> of course uh it's fucking <laughs> funny shit though man it's ridiculous i don't know see like like before this whole thing hit i mean zoom is a good thing it's a good alternative obviously because we have no other choice at this point but before this whole thing hit i always i always said it I, there was no video ever for for the podcast ever 
It was a straight up audio. And I always said that I would never, ever, I don't care who wanted to come on the show. I would never do it over the phone or on Skype before Zoom became a thing. I would always do face to face because of that interaction. You could read somebody. Like if I'm on the phone with you, not seeing you, I don't know what's going on. It's not like a normal conversation. You know what I mean? At least I can see it. You know what I mean? You can go by body language and whatever. So I always wanted to just go face to face live in person. But you know, that's what we were going to do the last time when we were going to do it. I would have came to your hotel room or met up somewhere, go get a cup of coffee somewhere. I've done it. So many of these things I've done in diners, you hear fucking plates crashing in the background. So, but that's what was cool about it. You know what I mean? It's almost like there's a guy in another booth that's just like eavesdropping in on a conversation. You know what I mean? When other people listen to it. And I thought that was a cool thing, but it is what it is. And this is what it is right now. And well, I'm glad no. we could make it work finally. Yeah, that's, I was in New York and we were going to do it. And I shoot and trick the trap. You got caught up with something and yeah, we're going to make it happen. So I'm glad we finally got to do it, man. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Me too, man. This was like a long time coming. I'm like, yo, you doing any more podcasts? Like, I felt like I was breaking your balls. Like, like, come on, man. I need to talk with you. you know? <laughs> but I felt like it was good because because the new record came out. So I figured you were doing a little bit here and there. So figure, you know, what the fuck? So let me just reach out and he might curse me out like this fucking blast furnace guy again, breaking my balls. <laughs> no, I feel no. like that sometimes. <laughs> With people, you know how you know how many times I fucking inbox Mike Tyson. You have no idea. Oh yeah, trying hail marys, bro. Hail marys. That would be yeah. dope. That would be ridiculous. I don't even know what the fuck to say to that guy. If I had him like this, like I, I would be flipping out in my head. I don't know. We're gonna talk. Definitely, definitely one of the most interesting people of our lives. Oh, you have fuck. I'm a huge fucking fan, bro. Ridiculous. One of the greatest, man. Yeah. And, and 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 to think where he's at now compared to, I mean, when he first started and then he went through his crazy times and, that, you know, that... He was a lunatic. He was literally a lunatic. You'd look at that guy. Like, nobody wanted to get in the ring with him. There was a thing. Everybody used to be like, would you get in the ring with Mike Tyson for a million dollars? No. It was like, nah. <laughs> Maybe ten million, and then after I'm fucking out of the hospital, half of that's done for my bills, and I'll be all right if I can still talk. You know, he, what I mean? he was the most feared human being on the planet. Yeah, that's heavy. Bro. You couldn't wait to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like I used, to, I used to get like I used to bug out when 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 Mike Tyson when I knew Tyson was gonna fight. I used to bug out like my adrenaline would go just wait, just wait. Fucking crazy. That's why it it hurt my heart to watch that Roy Jones and Tyson thing. I watched it. I went to like... I did too. I had to. You know, know, the nostalgia of it, cool. But I don't know, man. I just didn't like seeing him like that. And he looks great for his age. He does. But I still have Iron Mike Tyson. Of course. Full of fucking fury and venom in him. Yeah. And it was he great. It was out of jail, dude. The Holyfield fight where um, wait, but his ear. I, I'm trying to. I don't think it was the one. The first one. He didn't bite his ear. The first one, right? No. The first one was he threw everything he had at Holyfield for the yeah. first eight rounds, and Holyfield took it. Yeah, it was a great fight. One of the greatest fights. I watched it on 23rd Street at yeah. Grand Saloon. This bar. It was ten dollars all you can drink. Nice. And, and watch that on pay per view with 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 my my homie Joe. Uh huh. And um, 
we watched that fight and I remember everybody cheering. It was like, it was so unbelievable to see Holyfield go toe to toe with them. It was almost stunning. And I remember Tyson got knocked on his ass, I think in the eighth round and he's reaching around for his mouth guard. Yeah. And, and, And it was like, wow. Yeah, because he when he lost to Buster Douglas, it was just a fluky thing. It so was. We had never seen him get beat like really beat. Yeah. I remember and, the day that fucking my stepfather knocked on my door, and he because he knew I was a fan, and he woke me up because for some reason it was on late or something to me. It's like Jim. It was, it was in Japan like, or some shit. So yeah, he's on- like he's like Mike Tyson got knocked out last night. I was miserable for like two weeks. Like I couldn't believe it. Like it it killed me. Like, no, like, no, not Mike. Really? Because it was like a shoe and you just knew he was going to go in there and destroy whoever walked in the ring. Oh, he was a maniac when he beat Mike. Uh, was it Spinks? He beat 91, 91 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Ridiculous. And then when he went, then when he bit Holyfield, I was in the Air Force at the time. I was in, in New Mexico. I was in a house with a whole bunch of people and he bit his ear. And I'm like, Oh, like that's because he wasn't crazy, crazy Mike Tyson yet. He wasn't telling Lennox Lewis he wanted to eat his children yet. And shit <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? He wasn't doing any of that stuff yet. That was a little bit later on. <laughs> but that was nuts, bro. It was crazy. But then I kind of lost a little respect for him. Like, come on, man. But nowadays where he cops to everything and he just pours his heart out about everything and he admitted how he was wrong. And he was like one of his last, his last fight. He even said it like to like to the uh, to ring announcer. He's like, I'm just basically. He's like, this isn't even in my heart anymore. I'm just basically. I'm fighting to pay my bills. Mm. He was honest. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he was all fucked up for a long time. But now, but there was a one little stipulation with that Roy Jones thing. They told Mike Tyson no headshots. You notice he didn't punch him in his face once. Yeah, he didn't punch I mean, Roy Jones you know, in his face once. You know what happened to Mike though? He got sober, bro. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I know he. Does, I think he's he smokes and stuff now, or whatever. But I think he got sober, yeah. was in recovery. Yeah. Um. You know. So he gained like eighty pounds. He was giant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he was probably feeling better than he ever had though. To get clean and sober, man. Yeah. Man. I don't care who you are. Like we all got that. When you get <laughs> when you get into recovery, man, and you change, that's a beautiful thing. So it is, dude. It kept him alive. Clearly, you know what I'm saying? Like because oh. he was. He was headed on a uh, on a crazy path for for a long time. Yeah, he was an angry guy. He had some talk about traumatic childhoods, bro. Like you saying, hearing somebody in a meeting talking. Damn, I mean, he had that story like nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like his shit. Yeah, maybe one day he'll read my ball breaking Instagram fucking messages. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he's bombarded, bro. He's like one of the most. Of course. Iconic people of our generation. Yeah. Now, listen, I was like, listen, if, if it takes me 30 seconds to write a message and that's my little shot, whatever, man. I don't care. Hey, you never, never know. I hit up Havoc and he's like, all right, I'm down. I'm like, what? All right, cool. I didn't think that was going to happen. You know? So fuck it. Mike Tyson, why not? Sylvester Stallone, why not? You know? Hey, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Exactly. You see that? Go figure crazy shit well dude i'm glad this shit happened and now like i said before like this like obviously i'm just gonna run this on the there's a facebook broken blast furnace podcast facebook group that i just run this on when it drops it's gonna drop in a couple of weeks so i have a couple beforehand but 
Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know exact date and whatever. I think I have two or three and then this one. But um, and then it goes up on YouTube, just raw like this. But then I have, uh, you know, it goes audio everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, all the SoundCloud, all that. And I have my, I'll put, I tack on my little intro, which actually Lefty and Diabolic do my little intro. They put together something for me for my little intro. And then at the end, I got to ask you if I can tack on one of your songs at the end of the audio version of this podcast. Yeah, of course. I don't know. Well, it's, it's your show, man. You got to pick one. I, I mean, I love when the war ends. All right, then when the war ends, what it's going to be. But you can play whatever you want. When the war ends. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tack on a little something after that one, too. It'll be a surprise. Sounds good, brother. You know what's hilarious? Right before we leave, I'm glad that I just popped in my head. I, I a couple days ago, I put on, it was on YouTube, and I put on the song Devil's Bandit. Right, bro. That's not even. I didn't even make that song. You you want to hear something crazy about that? Oh, go ahead. Tell your story first. It's real quick. It's got like ten million views on it. Blah, blah, blah. It's a ridiculous song, right? The and sometimes you laugh at these fucking knuckleheads who put these YouTube comments. The first comment, it's got like thousands and thousands of likes on it. And it's go, he wrote, I laughed out loud at it. He writes. This beat makes me want to rob my own house. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking amazing. Bro, th- that song has, like you said, like 10 million views or whatever. I didn't yeah. make that song. What happened it's not, then? It's not my song. And how, you know how many people like hit me up and they're like, yo, where is, how come it's not on Spotify, blah, blah, blah. Right. Somebody took, it's a verse from uh, the Devil Never Dies mixtape off the song, off the sidewalk. And somebody took the verse because it's the same verse twice in a row. So they took yeah. the verse and they put it for the first verse and the second verse. They chopped and screwed it. And it's like a remix or something like that. But I didn't make that record. That's crazy. And it's it's my biggest YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> How does that shit happen? It's not. Meanwhile, like, you know, there's some songs that I think like this is one of the best songs I ever made. And then it doesn't. You know, like the songs that blow up or like really take off aren't usually the ones that you identify as this is this song's gonna yeah. really pop off. So I'll have like songs that I'm like, this is one of the greatest records I ever made, but mm-hmm. like the the song I ain't done, I feel like is one of the best songs in my career. And it does it does it does all right on on streaming, like, but it you know. I hear that song. It almost pisses me off because I'm like, uh, that song is like whatever to me. You know what I'm I saying? Know, I know, I <laughs> know. That's 10 million, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's like just about 10 million views. And the first comment is this, this beat makes me want to rob my own house. It's nuts. It's hilarious. You know what I think I'm going to put? I'm going to put um, after uh, when the war ends. It's, yeah, it's, no, I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm some principle now because it's not really yours. I'm not going to do that. Um, so now people it know is, the story. Somebody remixed it. Yeah, yeah, but someone else did. But you didn't put it out, so I can't do that now. Um, I think I'm going to put, and it's, it's hard to pick one, but it always stuck out with me because it's it's it's, it's a very dark song, but I think I'm going to have to put on Black Horses. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to perform that one, man. That's a fucking dark fucking song, dude. 
I love it, but it's dark. It's nightmares. Black horses, nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that song, that ended up, I think, to that. So the original version of A World With No Skies. Yes. Is it on the original version? Yes. Yeah. Crazy that I don't remember that. But I think it's the first song. It starts uh, 2.0. So I shifted, like, the sequence. I, okay. I had to record that record, but... Black Horses ended up being like the opening, the opener for that album, which changed the whole dynamic of that record. Yeah, it's like the third or fourth song on on the first version of World with No Skies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we'll end with when the world when, when the war ends and Black Horses. My man, where can, yo for, for, before I sign off, where can people get to tell everybody? I know you're not a big fan of social media, but you know, this is for, you know. Yeah, I mean, Instagram, it's Slane's World. Facebook, it's Slane.Official. I post, um, you know, obviously subscribe to my YouTube, Slane Hip Hop. Subscribe to my uh, Spotify. I appreciate all that stuff. I post the links to the records and all that stuff is on my social media. So Yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're pretty active on there. I see you all the time on there. Yeah, I try to be relatively active. Well, nowadays you have to be. What the fuck else are we going to do? Days are standing out the cl- outside of the club with paper flyers are long over, man. I know. I don't post like too much like stuff. I don't post my son. I, I, right. I don't post like family or things that I want to protect. And right. People, I, don't, I don't blame you. You know, I, I, I post like mostly about like music and. Yeah. No, 90% of my social media presence. I mean, yeah, I'll post something, you know happy birthday here and there something maybe with my daughter but most of it is podcast stuff and delta bravo shit yeah yeah i run the delta bravo instagram page oh do you yeah yeah i i I had made one just a delta bravo just for new york city but then there was a delta bravo page that on instagram that was like inactive so i just hit up danny i'm like yo since the other one is gone it's inactive should i just convert this one into because you know, I was only posting New York stuff. So he's like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. I'm like, all right, cool. So so I just changed the name of it. And I know you follow that on there and whatnot. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I run that. It even says CEO, Danny Boy, and it says moderator at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. So I'm the one that runs that too. But uh, yeah, man, it's fun shit. And hopefully sooner rather than later, you come to New York or I'll go on a road trip. Maybe I'll go to Boston or something and go hit a spot somewhere. We'll meet up. We'll go have a nice cup of coffee. Sit there with our pinkies out, like gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, brother. All right, man. Yo, be safe. This is a pleasure. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. It's good to see you. I'll talk to you soon. Later, brother. Peace. Lost in the spot.
request my ascension These rhymes I wrote on a desk in detention Ah, trouble youth tugging juice with the gin In my bubble goose trying to black out Back then smoking PCP when the summer come Looking back wasn't just the cops I was running from home We never know what tomorrow brings Try to be prepared for when song sings The Lord taken from the Lord gives The rhyme still aching when the war ends We never know what tomorrow brings In the mind warps on a plane ride With the kamikaze pilot, we ain't on the same side Living in a time warp, I'm still where the pain died Brain tied in the same chains that I'm hanged by Every day, I wake up the same with a strange vibe Maybe I should stay inside, watch your pain dry Even then I can't ride with the same drive That I had when I was getting high Is that the truth or a lie? Yeah, the war never ends on my roof This desires, we are four, ever friends So I shoot for the skies, but it's more evident Than it's ever been That there's something killing me within I keep keeping on one foot Front the other head up Everywhere that I'm stepping out But when you fighting all your life Can't trust nobody Tell me when it's time to put the weapons down We never know what tomorrow brings Try to be prepared for when song sings The Lord taking from the Lord gives The rhyme's still aching when the war ends We never know what tomorrow brings Try to be prepared for when song sings I'm passing it. 
scratching it Raw from my emotions, now they're back to take the last of it My childhood was stolen from me, fuck it, now I'm trapped